Inside Florida Politics, powered by Gannett. Governor Ron DeSantis tailors his election bill signing to a Fox News audience. Charlie Crist is running for governor again. And more Democrats are expected to join him soon in the primary. Hello, I'm Sarasota Herald Tribune political editor Zach Anderson. And those are some of the stories I'll be discussing today with Gannett State Capitol reporter John Kennedy and Palm Beach Post politics editor Antonio Finns. But first... Music means we're going to pick some numbers here, gentlemen. Uh, John, how about you? Do you have a number for us today? Zach, I do have a number this week, and it's 71. All right. What about you, Antonio? Coming in a little bit lower, uh, going with 45. And my number is 100. Remember those numbers, folks. Write them down. We'll tell you what they mean in Florida politics at the end of the show. Well, this morning, Governor Ron DeSantis traveled to Palm Beach County to sign a bill that puts new restrictions on voting, and he tried to do it exclusively for a Fox News audience. The governor's team uh, kept media other than Fox News out of the event, although a Gannett reporter was able to get inside anyway. Regardless, this was billed as a Fox News exclusive. Antonio, that's a pretty clear indication as to who this bill is aimed at, right? Yes, sir. In fact, uh, you know, the governor came all the way down to Palm Beach County to sign this uh, bill this morning. And uh, this is, like you mentioned, on national television. But before he did that, however, he spoke to the Club 45 USA. That is a group of fans of former President Donald Trump. Then, of course, he went on the air on Fox News Channel's morning program to talk about the legislation and then sign it right there on air. Now, curiously, the government didn't sign it at an elections office, even though this is an elections reform bill, perhaps because Florida election supervisors, including the elections chief here in Palm Beach County, believed the legislation overall was a bad idea. Nor did he try to sign it over in Tallahassee at the state's Elections Division, which probably was a good idea since Secretary of State Laura Lee, who will oversee the implementation of the law, was named in a lawsuit challenging the law on the grounds it will suppress voting by minority citizens. It only took two hours from the moment the uh, governor signed the law, the bill into law, for word of the legal challenge to come out. Now, DeSantis touted the law this morning saying that he thinks it'll make make it even make Florida's election processes even better as, you know, as we go forward. You know, he said he was proud of the strides that have been made and that, you know, the state is not resting on its laurels. And then he said, quote unquote, and me signing this bill here says, Florida, your vote counts. Your vote is going to be cast with integrity and transparency. So he couched it all, of course, in the the concept of, uh, you know, election integrity and security. But here's the thing. The optics of this entire moment moment, sort of uh, in in this morning's event, sort of belied all of that. Like I said, the government signed it at an event hosted by Club 45 USA. You know, uh, this is a a political group, not to mention a fan club of the former president who is the author and the lead proponent of the entire big lie of election fraud, the, the baseless allegations that this election in 2020 was stolen from him by Joe Biden and President Biden and the Democrats. Um, in addition, like you mentioned, uh, Zach, the only media allowed to televise the event was the Fox News Channel, which, by the way, is being sued by Dominion Voting Systems for defamation by allegedly trying to boost its ratings and falsely claiming that the company rigged the 2020 U.S. Election, presidential election for Biden and against Trump. 
So the point is that the backdrop to this bill signing was all about politics, not election security. And added to the governor's DeSantis's previous statements about how Florida, you know, how great Florida's election management was. If you recall back in July of last year when President Trump floated the idea of even delaying the presidential election because of concerns about election security and mail-in ballots, DeSantis immediately said, no, no, we, we, we do it differently in Florida. We don't have a problem with mail-in ballots. You know, we, we have a great system. Um, and he has defended Florida's election systems throughout, you know, the, the, the post-election debacle. In fact, in February, he even came to West Palm Beach and said that, you know, the elections in Florida were secure and honest and and, 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 and believable, and that you can have confidence in the integrity of, of the vote as it was cast and counted last year. So you take all of that and you combine it with the optics this morning, and it's, you know, it's hard not to conclude that this really is about helping the GOP win in 2022 more so than any concerns about 2020 here in Florida. And Antonio, this is uh, in large part been the governor's playbook. He's really catered to uh, Fox News and the conservative base from the beginning before he was governor uh, as a congressman. He was on TV all the time, um, you know, uh, going after, uh, you know, Democrats and, uh, you know, supporting, um, you know, Trump. And kind of that's how he caught Trump's eye. And then then Trump uh, tweeted his endorsement of DeSantis and the rest is is history. So, you know, Fox News has been part of his uh, political playbook, as it has for many uh, Republicans. Um, you know, that's a huge group of Republican voters. But elections are supposed to be nonpartisan. I mean, it's it's the most fundamental aspect of our democracy, holding uh, an election bill signing at a Trump club for just a Fox News audience, I mean, that belies the whole idea that this is a nonpartisan bill, right? Yeah, that, yeah. the optics were just spoke to the fact that, you know, that, that this is all about partisanship. I mean, if, if they could have done it at a supervisor election, they could have done it at a county commission chamber somewhere. I mean, there, there's a million places that, I mean, they do bill signings all over the place every time. Like I said, the optics were just really countered and undermined their message about trying to focus on election security. And I can't recall a bill signing where the the media has been been limited. Uh, you know, where where they try to pool reporting or or just have uh, you know an exclusive for one news organization. So this is a, a pretty unusual event. Uh, you know, much more of a, a campaign style event as we get here into the uh, 2022 election season. And speaking of. Uh, 2022 election, a, a decade after serving uh, as a Republican governor, Charlie Crist announced this week that he's making his second run for governor as a Democrat. Crist's political career has been long and uh, unconventional. John, a lot has changed since Crist last served as governor. How does he fit into the state's current political climate? Well, Charlie Crist was a very familiar figure in Florida politics for so many of us, but I'm thinking his familiarity was primarily rooted in the 1990s and early 2000s. As, uh, as you and I wrote, Zach, this week, uh, since Crist last won a statewide election in 2006, then he was a successful Republican candidate for governor, there's been a 40% increase in the state's voting population, 4.2 million more Florida voters. Um, you know, he ran as a Democrat challenging Governor Rick Scott for his second term in 2014. And the electorate uh, now is two and a half million voters bigger than it was even then. 
So while Chris brings name recognition, uh, a lot of Democrats say, uh, you kind of wonder. uh, There are a lot of Floridians who don't really know him or what he did. But uh, that's what he's going to be trying to remind and introduce voters to. He's uh, he didn't shy away from touting his one term as governor uh, when he uh, spent more on education, the environment and uh, willingly accepted federal help, uh, literally embraced it. And then uh, President Obama, which uh, got him on the wrong side of most Republicans in Florida at the time. Uh, Going back, you know, Chris was a Ronald Reagan kind of Republican who tended to lean even further left on uh, social issues and spending. But uh, how he fits into this polarized world now, I I just don't know. Uh, Again, at age 64 and uh, criticized as a career politician, he can, uh, you know, kind of easily fit into Joe Biden's shoes, I guess, uh, a, a candidate who many people counted out early in the Democratic primary. That's Biden. Um, so maybe, you know, something will turn around for Christ. Uh, you know, one thing that would help Christ would be, uh, you know, is DeSantis as polarizing as and erratic as President Trump was in uh, last year's presidential race. Uh, undoubtedly, that contrast helped Biden. Uh, I don't think so with DeSantis, whose popularity right now seems to be at a at a relative high. But uh, Chris has a record of accomplishment to run on. Maybe he can tap into some Washington money as a member of Congress. And he's had his supporters in Florida, although except for Orlando trial lawyer John Morgan and a, a lot of the big donors uh, that he had seem to be Republicans who uh, you know are definitely going to stay away from him uh, this time around. Uh, they don't want to alienate DeSantis. So I don't know if Chris, uh, who used to call himself the old quarterback, uh, you know, if he still has any game in him, uh, we'll see if he can still chunk it, as they say here in North Florida. <laughs> well, Chris, uh, you know, he's the first, but he's likely not to be the last Democrat to jump in the governor's race. You have potential candidates like uh, Congresswoman Val Demings, uh, and Agriculture Commissioner uh, Nikki Freed, who would uh, bring more diversity and uh, potentially different policy focuses than uh, Christ, who, um, as you mentioned, John, is known as kind of a, a moderate, more in the vein of uh, like Joe Biden. Uh, Democrats are likely to face the same dilemma they always face, which is what do you go with a more liberal candidate or a more centrist candidate? Do you go with somebody who fires up the base or who can appeal to independence? Antonio, they've struggled with both types of candidates and uh, they're facing a governor who's looking pretty strong right now. How important do you think this primary will be and what type of candidate do you think has the best chance against DeSantis? Well, first of all, let me just say I have no chance against John's reference to North Florida chunking. I'm I'm not even sure what North Florida chunking is, but I I don't got anything better than that to to say right now. But I I will say, I mean, hearing it, John, you know, know, sort of speak about Chris, I I, I was struck that, yeah, you're right. I mean, he is kind of like the anti-DeSantis candidate, much like Joe Biden was the anti-Trump candidate. I mean, I I remember interviewing him back when he was attorney general and even governor. He always brought a legal pad to meetings to take notes and engage in conversations and give and take and. And he was a GOP populist of sorts even before it became vogue. And remember, he, you know, today the uh, Republicans that like to attack big tech. Well, back in his time, you know, he attacked big insurance when after the hurricane crisis of the mid 2000s, and you know, the insurance industry was the uh, the the uh, big business to hate in Florida. So, but I think you know, Zach, like you said, you know, the problem is right now, what do Democrat Florida Democrats want? And then 
Can they sell what they want to the rest of Florida? That's been the problem now for over the past quarter century. You know, when they've had candidates that the rest of Florida could be comfortable with, key elements in the Democratic base really didn't turn out at the polls in the general election. And then when they've had candidates that the base could get excited about, the overall vote went the other way. The conventional wisdom, as you just mentioned, Zach, is that in political punditry is that Democrats need a centrist to win in what is now arguably red Florida. But that centrist strategy has failed consistently since, you know, consistently since 1998. And in 2018, Democrats surprisingly flipped the script and went with the progressive, you know, Andrew Gill, and then still came up short. So, you know, let's talk names. Obviously, Charlie Chris is in the race, but, you know, like John mentioned, he he got trounced in his U.S. Senate bid in 2010 and then got beat by Rick Scott in 2014. Now, then there is speculation. You just mentioned Nikki Fried will run. She could appeal to progressives. And, you know, her base, to a certain degree, when she won that, when she won the Agriculture and Consumer Services Commissioner post, part of it was, remember, she was a, 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 a lobbyist for the legal cannabis slash marijuana industry. So, you know, there, there is that base there that might, help her just like she won, you know, she has won a statewide race, so that's good. But the question is, if she plays to the progressive side, could she win a race running then from the left? We already know that the quote-unquote radical left and quote-unquote socialist labels are tried and true in this state against Democrats. Another potential is, you mentioned Val Demings, a Central Florida Congresswoman. She is a former police chief, so it would be hard to paint her as one of these defund the police flamethrowers. But you know, we'll have to see the, the, you know, if they don't get a palatable candidate and then fail to get behind him or her, there is no way they can defeat DeSantis. And look, DeSantis has staked out the high ground. His mantra, as we have been predicting for almost a year, will be, quote, unquote, I reopened the economy. I kept the economy open then. And, you know, you, you're able to get your job back, period. You know, that's going to be a winner in Florida. Uh you know, the other question is, OK, so if you've got Nikki Freed and Val Demings and Charlie Chris running. Well, remember, as John mentioned a couple of podcasts ago, uh, you guys mentioned, you know, DeSantis already raised a ton of money. You can have that's a, a bruising three way race between would be between Demings, Chris and Freed. And what's going to be left after they're done in, in, in that kind of a uh, heavyweight type uh, primary? So, you know. Whoever the Democratic candidate is and, and may well have, have expended a lot of money, political goodwill to capture the nomination. And I, I think that's going to make it an even uphill climb, steeper uphill climb. Yeah, it always does seem to be an uphill climb for Democrats uh, in Florida. Um, and uh, it doesn't look um, it, it looks worse for them after the 2020 election when Trump actually expanded his margin of victory over 2016. But if you go back to 2018, DeSantis just squeaked in um, you know, to, to office by the closest uh, margin of any governor's race in Florida history. So, um, you know, it, it, the Democrats always have, have a shot here and, and the candidate that they pick is is uh, going to be uh, pretty uh, important here. Uh, Val Demings is an interesting candidate, you know, having an African-American woman, a police chief, um, you know, she could appeal to uh, a lot of voters. Uh, Nikki Freed, you know, she just won a statewide race. Um, and then you have uh, Charlie Crist, who 
I think I think you made a very interesting point, Antonio, how he's kind of the anti DeSantis. You know, he's very personable, uh, very charming, whereas DeSantis tends to be very perfunctory and and kind of wonky. Um, you know, he's he pushes a you know a more compassionate, uh, populist type uh, approach. DeSantis, um, you know, kind of uh, a, a bit more. Um, you know, uh, kind of uh, red meat and a, a little bit more, um, you know, kind of uh, trying to, to fire up the base and, and uh, just a, a more aggressive approach. So, um, you know, if 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 Chris is the anti DeSantis and Biden was sort of the anti Trump, maybe maybe he does present an interesting contrast. Well, one reason uh, that DeSantis could be hard to beat is because he has championed a less restrictive approach to the pandemic that has been popular with many people. DeSantis continued with that approach this week when he issued an executive order repealing emergency orders at the local level. John, what was the reaction to the governor's announcement? Well, it was clear, you know, even going back to early spring, that it was uh, DeSantis's intention to get the legislature to approve this measure, uh, limiting local emergency orders to a maximum of 42 days and also bar what he's dubbed uh, vaccine passports, uh, requirements by businesses that somebody be vaccinated before they enter an establishment. But uh, maybe there was uh, some level of shock and confusion over his decision to also repeal every emergency order now on the books. Still, uh, you know, he has allowed businesses to still require masks uh, if they if they choose to. And you're seeing that now with Publix, uh, Walmart, Home Depot and Target. Uh, they're, they're just some of the national retailers anyway that have no plans to eliminate the mask requirements they have in place. Uh, but there could be some confusion and conflict. And, uh, you know, with DeSantis's red state followers uh, probably able to defy these mask requirements, which now have no power of enforcement behind them, I'm expecting it won't be long before we get some, you know, Florida man footage of uh, standoffs between mask wearers or, or no mask wearers, I should say, and a, uh, and, and a public store manager somewhere trying to enforce the company's standard. So uh, Democrats and uh, Floridians basically from Orlando southward uh, seem to be getting increasingly alarmed by the kind of uh, increasingly authoritarian tone coming out of DeSantis. He's uh, riding a real political high right now, and he's got a compliant legislature and a voting population that tilts red. And uh, he seems to be endorsing his policies on uh, COVID-19 and the economy, uh, at least the, the voting public seems to be right now. And, uh, and, and remember, you know, only 27% of the Florida population has been fully vaccinated. Uh, 32% of the nation's population is fully vaccinated. So we are not a leader when it comes to vaccination, no matter what DeSantis is saying. And despite all the boasting, the governor does about the decisions that he's made and the successes that he claims for himself. Uh, and of course, those kind of numbers are far from the, the herd immunity level of at least 70% uh, that so most scientists seem to say has to be a, a minimum to have herd immunity. But, um, you know, none of that seems to matter to the governor right now. And uh, he's just pushing forward and claiming victory. Yeah, those vaccination numbers are uh, pretty sobering. We have a long way to, to go to, to get uh, um, the majority of people protected. We'll move on to some numbers here. Antonio, you had uh, 45. You want to tell us about that? Yeah, gentlemen, you know, down here in Palm Beach County, when you mentioned the number 45, everybody immediately thinks you're talking about former President Donald Trump, who is the 45th president. 
Well, today, the number 45 refers to President Joe Biden, or more specifically, uh, that a statewide survey by the Florida Atlantic University Business and Economics Polling Initiative, just was released this morning, found that Biden had the very tepid job approval rating in Florida, just 45%. Across the country, for example, he is polling much higher, usually in the low 60% range or even high 50% range. Now, the uh, FAU poll did find that on the pandemic, Florida voters did give Biden a pretty healthy and robust 57% approval rating. However, that overall 45% approval rating just has to be a real disappointment for Democrats. You know, on top of the fact that Biden lost the state to Trump by more than three percentage points last year. And it's got to be especially galling for Democrats because Trump's political godson, Governor Ron DeSantis, is now running around the state, Democrats say, taking credit for their work. Um, for example, those $1,000 checks to first responders, Democrats point out that that was from the stimulus bill that Biden pushed through the Congress and the Democrats singularly approved despite wholesale op opposition from Republicans. Yeah, that all came from the $10 billion in, a, in assistance to states courtesy of the American Rescue Plan. Ditto, they say, for the $100 million to fix the Piney Point mess in Southwest Florida and the $300 million for land conservation. Even that boost in the rainy day fund that the governor was touting this morning. Uh, without the $10 billion from the American Rescue Plan, Democrats say, Florida's budgetary uh, standing would be a lot worse. So, um, and, and they point out, the Democrats do, that, uh, that, you know, that Biden and, and they were, in, in the Congress, were opposed at every turn by congressional Republicans in Florida. In fact, if we recall, after the legislation was passed and, and the president signed it into law, uh, U.S. Senator Rick Scott even urged Florida and other states to return the money rather than dole it out. Uh, as uh, Congressman Darren Soto of Orlando said this morning, it's a good thing that no Republican listened to him. But in a brilliant, if not diabolical political maneuver, here's DeSantis and state GOP lawmakers taking credit for it. Or as Miami Democratic Congresswoman Federica Wilson said, DeSantis is quote unquote pretending it is his idea and his money. Um, still, you know what? Hate to say, told you so, but if you recall, we did discuss this on a podcast about a month or two ago after the stimulus bill was signed. We wondered when Biden would come to Florida to tout the stimulus bill. He hasn't been here. And Vice President Kamala Harris uh, visited just once to, to go to Jacksonville to talk about the rescue plan. But other than that, you know what? They've kind of left the arena to Republicans. And say this about DeSantis and Trump, for anti-politicians, they are incredibly savvy politicians. And that Trump DeSantis 2024 uh, possible ticket, watch out, Democrats. Yeah, uh, it's only one poll, but it's not a great number for uh, Biden and not a great number for Democrats. You know, if if, um, you know, you know, it's because Biden is uh, nationally his poll numbers are pretty good. And so, you know, if if Florida, if, if he's doing worse in Florida than he is nationally, that maybe is a sign of where the state has been. Uh, trending. Uh, John, your uh, number is 71. Tell us about that. Yeah, 71, Zach, is the percent of Florida voters who approved a constitutional amendment in 2018 that gives voters the, quote, exclusive right to decide whether to authorize casino gambling in the state. Now, 2018 isn't exactly ancient history, but you haven't heard Governor DeSantis speak much about this issue after 
he announced that he had signed a new compact with the Seminole tribe, making the tribe and its seven casinos the host for sports betting in Florida, a potentially mega billion dollar deal that would bring Florida's $2.5 billion in payments from the tribe over the next five years. Uh, is it an expansion of gambling? Yes, DeSantis says so much. But there seems to be the view that because this is a new compact with the tribe, a sovereign nation shielded from being controlled by the amendment, it doesn't need to get voter approval. Uh, there's been a gambling compact in place since 2010 that allows casinos to operate on tribal lands. But this is an amped up version of what's out there now. Uh, clearly, just three years ago, uh, Floridians said that they wanted to have a say in expanded gambling. But uh, DeSantis seems to think that he's found a way to not clang into Amendment 3, which is what the voters passed. Uh, there's a special session of the legislature scheduled to start May 17th when uh, DeSantis hopes to have this new compact approved. And we'll be hearing a lot more about that 71% of voters that, that week uh, because they're not really going to have a seat on the gambling table that week. More likely, uh, their voice is going to be heard in what is certain to be a court challenge to whatever the legislature might approve. Yeah, um, well, the, the the legislature has no problem going against uh, the majority of voters on on uh, things like uh, um, you know medical marijuana and uh, the minimum wage. That's so very true. Yeah, a long history one. of that. <laughs> um, well, my number is one hundred. That's roughly the number of supporters that Charlie Crist had at his campaign kickoff event in St. Petersburg on Tuesday. I made the drive up to uh, St. Petersburg for the event. Just wanted to see. It's always interesting to see, um, you know, how these uh, politicians sort of try and stage these things and message. And it says uh, uh, something about kind of the the, the tone of their campaign and uh, the, uh, maybe the voters that they're going after. So uh, it wasn't a big crowd and it wasn't a particularly high energy event. The heat and humidity were pretty oppressive. So that might have played into it. People brought umbrellas to block the sun. Chris had his signature fan at the foot of the podium to try and give him some relief from the heat. Whether Democrats will eventually get energized behind Chris really remains to be seen. He seems to be banking his campaign in part on his appeal to black voters, a group he has courted by making it easier for felons to get voting rights restored and pushing uh, other civil rights measures when he was um Attorney General, and also as a, a governor, he appointed uh, uh, an African American judge to the Florida Supreme Court, among other uh, decisions that he made that could appeal to uh, black voters. Uh, the kickoff event was held in a historically black neighborhood, and a group of uh, black singers uh, launched the rally with music that evoked a gospel choir. Black voters were key for Joe Biden's primary victory, and Chris seems to be banking on a similar approach. We'll see how it pans out. That wraps up another episode of Inside Florida Politics. I want to thank our audio production guru, Thomas Cordy, and thanks to all of you for listening. Stay safe. We're out of here.